This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Oh, geez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Clubs, clubs, clubs. The Different Knock, an Arsenal podcast. But what made you so sure that this was the best place and this was the right decision for you? It's Arsenal, you know. Come on, it's Arsenal. Welcome back to the Different Knock and Arsenal podcast. Turns out we can lose football matches with Alexander Madipini and my very good friend. Bradley Adams, our setter out. Thank you for listening to the Different Knock podcast. No, I'm joking, quite obviously. (laughs) That was just my impression of uh, about six 12-year-olds on Twitter yesterday. You know who you are. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing to do, isn't it? Because I mean, we are absolutely flying. We're five points clear. I oh, know. Sorry, we're not five points clear, are we? We're well. We're, no, are we still five points clear of City? Anyway, we're still top. Yeah, we're five points clear. No game in hand. We're still top. We still got to go to City and play both games. It's still all all to play for. It's still in our hands. You know, these things happen, etc., 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 and all that sort of you know sensible stuff. But I, ca- I can't help but feeling disappointed about yesterday. Yeah. And I have a number of ongoing concerns. Sometimes there's games that I watch that we lose and I go, that's just like, it's just one of them. Like the Man United game. I was like, I'm, I'm not worried about that because that is a shit VAR decision. And that's game uh, goals on the breakaway, which we don't normally concede. We've got Sammy Conga playing. Like, no, I, I was like, do you know what? It's Weird substitutions that threw off the balance. Yeah, like... I was I was like that's not an ongoing issue. Yesterday is the first time I felt that we got the approach and tactics both wrong in a long time. Yeah. I I also think it's the first game in a long time that it's it's been clear to see that there wasn't enough good sunfire in the belly. Um, we were being we were being outperformed in the, in the duels. When I lose a duel, when I lose a match, I am upset. Um, Are you yeah. right, mate? <laughs> it, it kind of fucked my <laughs> weekend. I'm not gonna lie, because like, like I've got Arsenal have been so good. I've got this little weekend pattern going, and it's been really fucking lovely. And what that is is like, I'll watch all the games on the weekend, and then normally on a Sunday morning, I'll watch match of the day while I'm waiting for the 12.30 kickoff or the 2pm kickoff or whatever kickoff it is on the Sunday. Then I watch the two Sunday games and then I watch Match of the Day too. And this is the first time that 
I'm so disappointed and and kind of apoplectic with our performance that I I've not I've not I'm not watching match of the day. I don't want to I don't want to hear about it because I know what the fucking commentary is going to be, and I don't like I don't want to rewatch that shit that shitter of a performance. Yeah, like whereas at least previously, like with the with the Man United one, there were there were aspects to enjoy and uh, kind of things to really cling on to. And whilst we should have had a penalty, and we'll come on to that, like we we were just we were outplayed, and I don't think that we wanted it enough. And I think that um, we it's it's a good reality check because we had become, I think, a bit complacent, uh, and that really showed for me yesterday. And so it's it's fucked my weekend a bit. I'm a bit sad, but as Mikhail said, we have to love the boys more than ever, and that is what we shall do. Um, it's easy to love them when we're winning. This, these are the moments where you earn your your stripes as a fan. Stop throwing your toys out of the pram. Stop having a go at Edu. Stop having a go at everyone. These things happen. Do you want to? Do you want to at someone, Brad? No, I'm not going to at someone. I'm not going to at someone. My word of the game uh, is. Um, I'm going to pretend it's one word. Is fuck's sake. Because that's how I felt, to be honest. And I was going to try and think of something slightly more um, sophisticated, but that's that's my overall feeling. I I felt as though we had an approach to this game that wasn't. We we knew that I was well. Let me let me take you back. I was I was listening in the week to Aaron Ramsdale on Michael Calvin's Football People podcast um, that he did for BT Sport, and Ramsdale was talking about how he was asked a question essentially you know how are you preparing for this weekend because of because of uh, Everton have got a new manager and he said look we do, we don't know how they're going to play we know how Deitch plays or we know how he's liked to play at Burnley we know how Everton have been playing under Lampard but ultimately we don't know how they're going to play under under Deitch uh, in the new regime we have thoughts and feelings of what they might be but we don't know that ultimately and uh, and then um uh, you know, we can only focus on our, on our football. And I thought before the game, yeah, that's that's probably fair. However, I did feel we sort of did know a bit what was what was likely yeah. to happen. So this idea that they well, played we exactly how a Deutsch team plays, they had played exactly how I expected them to play. There was no surprises there. Yeah, I, I, I it's difficult because we're sat on the outside making commentary and we don't know what the conversations were. In the dressing room, this mm. may have been—it may have been a plan to to to, to counter that, um, and that might have been the conversations, and it just might not have played out. We don't know. But what I was frustrated with, um, uh, tactically and, and, and approach-wise, was I felt as though some—you know—sometimes we've 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 had games where I felt as though we've we've played the badge or the occasion instead of the the opposition, and in this instance, I felt we needed to play the occasion a little bit. We needed to understand that these Everton fans are angry. These Everton fans are frustrated. There's going to be an atmosphere in there. There's going to be a, a team that are up for it, that have been motivated by a new manager, that are trying to to impress a new manager, a new manager that is going to close those distances. I mean, if you watch, um, I went back and watched Everton versus Southampton, the distances between the midfield and defence were, I, I, I can't believe a professional manager allowed that to happen. He is going to close those distances. They are going to be compact. They're going to sit inside our shape. They're going to be heavy in the jewels. 
they're probably not going to tr- you know put together many attacking plays they're going to try and win from set pieces and if i from an external eye can think that's probably what's going to happen and that starts happening i think we had to approach the game from a perspective of this is going to become an occasion if we let it so the first 15 minutes we need to knock it around the back we need to calm the game down slow the game down and just keep it keep the ball and don't worry about it too much. Flood the midfield and try and try and win those duels. And they set up very well, you know, with those three in the midfield. But I just felt as though we had to kill the occasion. And we had to kill that sort of that atmosphere because there's a ferocity to the fans that is aimed at the board. They're not actually frustrated at the, the players or the, or the coach particularly. I think they probably all wanted Lampard out. But the ferocity is at the board and, and the ownership. So the if the players win one battle, win one duel, you know, Seamus Coleman got an early tackle and the crowd went fucking mental. So it was always going to be that. And I just felt as though it really frustrated me that the, that the leaders on the pitch and the Jackers and the Partes and whatever couldn't, couldn't get their feet going and couldn't hold on to it. And we allowed it to become a, a contest. That's my big frustration. I think there's some tactical stuff as well, but from a, an approach perspective, that's, that frustrated me that we couldn't get that going. Yeah. And then, uh, kind of to dovetail onto that, once we did allow it to become an occasion, it was very clear who wanted it more. It was very clear who was up for it more. Very, like, you know, I just... I, 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 you know, we support the team through everything, but it's really hard to watch a performance like that and go... and not really question what, what on earth they were doing because they didn't give their all. I'm more than happy to lose in any manner if I feel that the 11 or the 16, if we make all five subs, players that entered the pitch left everything that they could out on that pitch. And I think that there are lots of people who played yesterday who... It reminded me a lot of of Newcastle um, away last season for different reasons. Uh, and it reminded me of that Granite Xhaka interview about if you're not going to do what the coach says or if the if the badge is too heavy, whatever, stay home. And I kind of, I watched that performance yesterday and went, if we've allowed it to become an occasion and then we're not going to step up to that occasion, but players like Czech, not Czech Dukure, um, who what's what's the first name of Dukure on their team? Abdullah Dukure. There's so many Dukure's in football. There's so many Dukure's in football. I think it's Abdullah Dukure. Because <laughs> uh, Czech right. uh, Dukure plays for, for Palace. Um, you know, is is bossing our midfield with... Um, wait, let me check. He, <laughs> I'm really worried now that he didn't it's fucking Ducure's, play yesterday. It's Dukure's and Dembele's. No, Dukure definitely did yeah. play. Dukure yeah, did good, play, 100%. Good. Um, it's Dukure's and Dembele's. I always get yeah, all the fucking out. You know, and... and <laughs> No, no, no offense to to Onana. No offense to no offense to a lot of their players, but there was no way that they should have been allowed to play the way that they played. And I think that um, whilst it definitely is an agenda amongst some fans, it was it was a classic game gets physical, game gets tough. And I felt that Erdegaard ghosted um, and was really disappointed with him. We we talk about the leaders in the sense of kind of the senior players in the group, but the captain on the pitch, I felt might as well have not been on the the pitch for large, large portions of the game. And that's a big, big, big problem. Um, I, and then, and then it it was, it was a game where we, 
you know, massively lacked Jesus. I think that he is probably our biggest weapon at breaking down those types of blocks and those types of compact defences. Um, but we cannot fall to shit and make excuses when we're missing one player. We had enough talent on that pitch to play Everton off the park. Dyche has been in charge for not even a week, I think six days or something. And they were the better team than us. And there were several headers and chances that we we allowed them to get goal side and we allowed them to have that they should have put away. This wasn't a, a plucky 1-0 win. This is a, we were lucky that it was only 1-0 and that a penalty could have saved us a point. Like we were shambolic in uh, so many phases of play today. It was, a, it was a real disappointment. And I hope that this is a wake-up call for all of the players that did hide and for 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 them to look in the mirror and go, I wasn't good enough. It's unacceptable because we're chasing a title. You can't, you can do that. Go play at a mid-table club if you want to hide in certain moments. Go play somewhere else, you know, but these are the moments that will decide who lifts it at the end of the season. And it's really disappointing to see us back to a position that I thought we'd moved past like a long time ago. I didn't think I'd, I thought, I, I, I think I was well aware that we would be played off the park by somebody eventually this season, but not because of our own um, insignificance on the football pitch, but because of an opposing team getting a lot of things right. It just felt like we didn't, a lot of players didn't bother to turn up. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that your word of the game is Decore. Um Yeah. I, I, I hear you. I hear you. I, Apathy I, I, was I, my word of the game. Sorry. I wonder whether there's a a, a, t- a tempering to that in terms of this is might just been a, been an off color day and that happens and in in the context of the oh, season this might look course, like a, yeah. just a a, a a blip. However, you train all week. the The job of a professional football player is to for ninety minutes every couple, you know every week or every you know th- three four days or whatever it ends up being to go and perform. Mm-hmm. And you know there is there was not enough intensity off the ball, which you know you could make you could miscontrol every single pass. You could you could um, you know you could absolutely shank every single every single movement you do. Every shot, yeah. But like, the intensity wasn't yeah. there, and like no. at some point when when that's the crowd the is up, you've, fired in the belly. Yeah, you've got to respond. So so it, it is disappointing, and, and I and I hope that can. That's just a blip and uh, just a, a mistake. Oh uh, yeah, I don't think it's any more than a blip, but I, I think that I think it's a it's a perfect it's a perfect. I think we'd become a bit complacent, and it's a perfect time for certain people who I felt were complacent in yesterday's g- game to kind of have it handed to them by a team that are quite tragic. Um, also, like fuck, one of the listen. I'm going to get this out before we. We go on the the actual, uh, and I sent this to you in a text. I the only way that dice ball is allowed to flourish is because of inept and poor refereeing, because so many players yesterday should have been on yellow cards and then were making yellow card challenges. That is the only way that type of football can exist, and 
perception refereeing has got to end because Everton are going to be the new Burnley where they don't receive a yellow, uh, a red card for like six years because they're managed by Daesh. Where in reality, there were so many challenges. Like, it, it, somebody put it perfectly in a tweet that if you fucking gouge somebody's eye out twice in a game, you scratch somebody's eye, it's no longer an accident. It's reckless. So, like, I, I'm, I'm, I, I dis, I, I'm, and this is why, like, I was, I was, I don't like what Newcastle are doing. I'm kind of glad that they're, they're in a bit of a slump at the moment because, like, attempt to play football. If you play football a kind of way by being compact and stuff, that's fine. But kicking people out of the game and reckless and dangerous play and challenges, the only way that that exists as a style is because a lack of control by referees. And I thought David Coote was embarrassing yesterday. Um, and I can't believe that these people are still ma- like Premier League fucking referees. Honestly, it baffles me. Referee chat done. <laughs> I, I wouldn't it. go in as hard as that, but I, I, I do wish we would hear the decisions. I, I wish we could know why that penalty wasn't given, for example, but we'll, we'll get to that. Arsenal have won just one of their last seven visits to Goodison Park. Everton's average league position in those games is 13th. And Arsenal have also not won any of the first games they played in a month following those when Arteta won Manager of the Month. Uh, September 2021, March 2022, August 2022, November, December 2022, and January 2023. Uh, yeah, weird little stat there, but also, you know, it's a lot of Manager of the Month. Right, um, let's get to the game. Yes. You know what word I'm going to say, Brad? More? Say it. No. Granularly. Come on then, Gran. Let's get there into the eulally of it. Uh, <coughs> Everton, yeah, set up very compactly out of possession, 4-5-1, um, with double, trip Very tight. Very Dutchy, but also you know Newcastle did it as well, um, and and also Newcastle were flipping between a four four two and a four five one, but they were they were properly in that four five one, and Awobi and McNeil did really really well because they were both they were both really really um, uh, working really really hard to get back to support Coleman and Mikalenko to um, to to stop the ball getting out to Saka and Martinelli, and that's and that's a tactical side of the thing that I I wish we got the ball to our our wide players sooner. I also felt that we we were being we couldn't go through there's a there's a a really simple football principle that I love which is you can go through you can go round or you can go over and we couldn't go through so there was you know Anana there was Dukure and there was uh is it Idrissagane yes um, or maybe just yeah yeah um I mean Brad showing up paucity of knowledge Ball of Everton's knowledge. midfield. Uh, <laughs> is it Jordan Pickford? Um, but uh, yeah, we couldn't we couldn't go through. Seamus Cole, they, man, woman. Um, they, if you look at the passing networks, their their three midfielders were very very high. Anana playing as that second striker role, I think, is really really going to suit him. And I think we'll probably see some Monday night football analysis on how Everton have turned it all around, and Anana coming further forward uh, to put his physical attributes a little bit further further up the pitch is probably going to be a big thing for them. So credit to Dutch for for spotting that. But um, yeah, I, I, we couldn't go through. Um, that wasn't going to happen. But then when we got it round to the sides. I felt our actions were too slow. 
it was too, the, the ball was too, it wasn't zipped enough into Martinelli and Saka. They got doubled up on very, very quickly. And in the time that the ball was taking to get to them, um, we just couldn't, you know, Awobi and Coleman or whoever it was would end up just, just doubling up and we had to go back. And then you go, okay, so we can't go round, we can't go through. What normally happens is, you know, whether Gabriel and Saliba, I think, attempted five long passes and they attempted like 13 against Newcastle for some reason. I think it's a slightly tighter pitch at Goodison. So they maybe felt as though there wasn't a, a space for that, which I understand and, and, and well marked. Yeah. But normally we find a way through with, with Zinchenko. And this is a big tactical thing that I'd say is I felt Zinchenko today, he, he I've looked at the numbers, he was still our most progressive passer. He still played fine, but his starting position a lot of the time where his positioning was just a little bit too high for me. He was he had his back to goal a little bit too much. He was receiving the ball rather than sitting behind the ball and playing it through the lines. Now, there's lots of places in the game where he did do that, but normally he's the person who receives the ball off the back line or the person who receives the ball off, off Xhaka and, uh, and Erdegaard going backwards and then plays it forward and could pop up in different spaces and become that spare man. But he just, I felt he was, he was so keen to get into the game that he just wouldn't quite, he didn't quite have the same impact. So I think we were kind of neutered <clears throat> on a number of levels. And then you come to the, the, the dual issue. So tactically, I just felt there was a, there was a number of issues that we had that I, yeah, I, I, I thought were a problem. I think as well uh, with the winger problem, uh, it showed why, for me, it was a perfect game to bring Tierney on. I felt having an overlapping fullback with kind of drive could really aid our left-hand side, our left winger, and also pull pressure off the defence. And pull, I, I think McNeil swapped to the left, didn't he? I think they swapped sides. I'm not sure which side they swapped to. But it would have taken their wingers 10, 15 yards back. And with the way that Xhaka was playing, it felt like when, and we'll come on to the substitutions, but it felt like instead of the ones that we made, Zinchenko taking Xhaka's position and then, which which has been spoken about, you know, the fact that Zinchenko can play in midfield and then we don't lose his his abilities and putting Tierney at left back would have really made an impact in the game. And I don't, I'd love to kind of ask that question as to why, that 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 didn't happen because it seemed that we did lack kind of a natural um a natural a natural overlap in in moments that would have really really allowed us because like you say we couldn't play through them they congested the midfield so our spaces were out wide or over the top so let's make some changes to play out wide and it 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 just confused me as to what uh, you know, the decisions that we made in game tactically to, to continue to kind of beat the same dead horse and, and do the same things that were so clearly not not bearing enough fruit. Yeah. And the thing is, is there's a, there's a fine balance to be struck on that because it's like, okay, well, you've got to allow it time to play out. But it was so obvious that our specifically our left-hand side was becoming congested, wasn't quite working the same way. And there's all sorts of reasons. I think, you know, Jesus is... You know, Jesus has been um, key to that. He, him drifting out to the left-hand side has been really, really beneficial for many different things um, sort of early on in the season. I think it's slightly been stuttering since then. I felt, as I say, Zinchenko was a little bit high for me this game, so he was kind of clogging that side. 
as Everton were doing well, all, all those sorts of things. But I agree, there was there's a different dynamic. There's got to be something. There was a moment where Erdegaard nearly threads um, Ben White through. And, uh, you know, that it's that sort of stuff, whether it was the, you've got to find a different solution. You know, it was clear to me anyway, from minute 10, that, that it wasn't happening through the middle today. So there was, it was going to have to come through a different thing. And, and again, you know, you've got to give it time to, to develop. And give, give it 45 minutes. To... Give it the first half. Yeah, Fine. exactly. But exactly. I think it also showed why we need to not have, you know, there's a lot of talk of Tini being sold and going for a Zinchenko analogue. Having those different weapons is so important. It's just about utilising them. And I think that that was a, one of our biggest mistakes today. I can, I can forgive naivety in the setup. I can forgive you know, getting it wrong tactically. But what I cannot forgive is something that I think Arteta was guilty of when we didn't have the personnel, but being brash and not making changes that I think really were, were, were almost obvious at a point that we we weren't going to be able to play through them. So let's let's play let's play let's play up the wings. Let's play around them. Okay, we may not win headers because we've got and Ketia in the box, but it it at least takes the pressure off of us and it at least pushes them 10 to 15 yards back and it really just kind of rubbed me up the wrong way. I was I was a bit pissed off because I was like, what's what's the point of, of paying him a hundred grand a week to sit on the bench and have that different utility tool to not then use it? Yeah, I mean, possibly there was a reason. I mean, again, it's like, as you say, I'd love to ask the question why why he didn't feel that was appropriate. And also, when when just before the goal went in, Jorginho and Trossard came on, and I, and I felt there was a different, there was, he was clearly going to try something different in terms of, I felt this was possibly a game for Jorginho. I think another one of our issues actually was Partey plays with the gas pedal on the whole game. A lot of the time, he's very he's very punchy, he's very direct, which is great for many for you know for many different reasons. But I just felt a slightly more cultured sounds like Partey's not a cultured player. He is, but you know, a slightly more relaxed on the ball. Someone slightly more t- you know t- someone who just keeps us ticking right and recycles the ball rather than necessarily always is trying to play forward in a Jorginho as well as someone who's really adept at those line breakers and at that ball over the top in Jorginho when when the opportunity strikes I felt would be would be great and you know or was it bringing on Trossard and Tierney and, and putting Trossard in lane four and Tierney in lane five and seeing how that works or was it you know I felt as though Everton were pu- pushing us really high in our first phase at times we were leaving spaces behind them and the problem is, is they were overloading us in that first phase. Fine. Then the spaces are there. Let's cu- let keep calm and get the ball out into those spaces and then move forward through them. But what happened was we would just get the ball forward and, and panic basically, and just knock it back to them rather than use those spaces or, you know, try and play out. So yeah, I just, I just felt as though it, there was a number of, it felt like there was a number of problems and we didn't solve any of them. You know, I'd rather have seen us go, right, this is what we're going to try and do. We're going to try and just get crosses into the box for the last 20 minutes. Okay, fine, you know. Um, yeah, it just it just became a bit of a... Uh, yeah, I felt like we were slightly <clears throat> deer in the headlights. I didn't... In, I, th- I think the party sub was a bit strange as well. Losing... You know, we were up against an unbelievably physical midfield and we lost, you know, him and Xhaka are our most physical midfielders 
And in that six, I think I would have preferred to have seen Jorginho come on for Xhaka rather than Party, because I think Party's got more of a turning circle. He's got more legs, um, and and having that physical presence at the base, and maybe Jorginho slightly further forward would have given us that protection because we, like, I I think that a lot of people blame Jorginho for uh, you know some very strange reasons. Yesterday, he came on and performed as poorly as everybody else. He was. Like, do you know what I mean? He wasn't as he wasn't good. He wasn't bad. He was just part of a shit performance. But he wasn't the crux of the problem. But I think one of the cruxes of the problem post that substitution was the lack of physicality that he offers, which we all know is his detriment. We all know that he's not exactly the most physically agile, nimble, or strong of players. So taking off that profile of player for him didn't the switch didn't make sense for me. In, in in a game yeah. that we were getting dominated in the middle. Yeah, I hear you. And and I think he was also a slight victim of coming on and immediately scoring. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. The goal going in. I felt as though it was it was slightly like, oh fucking hell, Jorginho's come on and now he's gone conceding. It's Jorginho's fault. Oh tear out. Um something I, I want to come to. I would be fascinated in a study. I like maybe Matoma can do it. Uh, into how commentators' tone, volume, and pitch, depending on what stadium they're at and whatever, influences the perception of a football match. So when Arsenal and I talk about this quite a lot, but when Arsenal were on the attack, it would be you know. Wanketia here, Saka, oh, not quite good, you know, whatever. It's that sort of tone. But when Everton had the opportunities, there's this real thing of the commentators being here. And I do think that has an impact on perhaps casuals, but I think everyone's perception of what a game is. Because obviously there's, there's, you know, they're at home game, there's there's more, they probably have to speak, they feel they have to speak a bit louder because the, the stadium's going to be louder because of that situation. I'd just love to know if you could even possibly do it yeah the difference in perception of like if you could turn the commentary off and just watch the game i wonder how people would see you know or you know would it be going from yeah everton had a couple of chances as opposed to well everton had some really good chances and they're really on the front foot i do think it impacts the the yeah. the perception of the yeah, game I don't because think you're there, wrong. there's there's this there's this like real um what's the word uh yeah, no, I think that that sums it up really. But but yeah, I, ju- I just I just feel that definitely does have an impact, and yeah, of course it's it it's a kind of small point really. But I also think it's it's key to look into all of the things that challenge or the, all of the things that shape our perception of games. And I did notice it. I was like, you know, that's a, if Arsenal had that chance, there's no way that's framed in that way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it also comes from a. I I think it comes from like as well. Everton have been so shit, it's almost unexpected that they get these opportunities. So they're going to talk up half chances a lot more because it's like you say, they have to sell a game to two sets of fans. And they know that Arsenal fans are going to expect opportunities and expect moments. Whereas the Everton fans, I think they're so, they've been so starved of good football and so starved of good opportunities for, for, for a long, long time that any half chance a commentator has to talk up to kind of keep interest. That's all it is. That's all commentators are doing for for 
you know, the people that hire them is keeping interest from two sets of fans. And they think that, that they know Arsenal fans are going to watch anyway. We're top of the league. We're loving life right now. But they don't want everyone, to, they, they don't want us to, them to be fucking shouting up Arsenal fans and, and Arsenal being like, we're having the best opportunities. And then if you're an Everton fan, you become disenfranchised again. They're already disenfranchised with their club. So, you know, and I had moments during the, with the times when we were playing shit that I, I turned games off. Because I was like, I, I like, I physically cannot watch this anymore. Like, I can't watch City have twenty five opportunities and have Martin Tyler screaming in my fucking eardrum that Riyad Mahrez is is the best player that's ever existed, and that fucking Pablo Mari's just been bent over and inseminated. Like, <laughs> like it's just, it's just like, and I think that that's a big part of it. But I'd, I'd be interested to see the results of a study like that. I, I don't think I think it does really have an effect. Yeah, it's just like a pair of goggles. It's just like a you know if you watch a game with if you watch a game where one team's oppo- one team's opportunities are met with a oh one team's opportunities are met with a oh I think it does have an impact on how the game is 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 perceived. Um, they've also been starved of good dentists. Uh, right, let's. <laughs> Why do they need dentists? That they was, don't have teeth. That was savage. That was no the, the Everton fans. Sorry, that was mean. That was mean. Yeah. Did you not hear what I said? <laughs> what did you say? I said they don't need dentists. They don't have teeth. Oh god. Um. Right. Honestly, yeah. I can't it, wait look, to see that club get relegated because the finances—they're just going to fall apart. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> Sorry, Everton fans. That was that was that was harsh. But I'm keeping it. In. Fuck you, Everton. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you for ruining my weekend I can't wait to see you get that liquidated was, in the championship next year you bastards that was like sum up sum up our differences in, in character in one bit of audio <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah Jules in the first 10 minutes um, and it uh, it, it just it just the way it just became a bit of a, of a of a basketball game for them which was um which was a shame. What they and Ketty had a big chance. And Ketty had a big chance. Um, rounded the centre back and should have. He had a moment. He had a sort of. He had a lot more time than. Uh, no, not even that he thought. I think he knew he had a lot of time, and he just absolutely fucked it. You've got to get that on target. Um, and then it's a very different game. But that's uh, that's football. The way the cookie crumbles. Also on the commentary, I realised I should mention uh, Lucy Ward, who was the co-coms top. Really good. Her and Karen Kearney are both really, really good. Really, really good um, commentators. And when you get the fucking drivel that you sometimes get, they're really, really... Because they're actually analysing the game from a, te- a technical and tactical perspective and, and explaining things as it as it happens for people to understand more about the game rather than just, oh, Arsenal will be trying to score, won't they? Yep, cheers, mate. Um, when they don't score, they hardly ever win. <laughs> That's um, an actual quote from Michael Owen, by the way. Yep, yeah, actual quote. There was a also a fantastic save from Aaron Ramsdale, uh, where he sort of adjusts mid-air, which credit to him, because uh I don't think there's particularly anything he could have done on the goal, um, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh but yeah, that, that, I just wanted to shout out that fantastic save from from Ramsdale. So the goal. Um I have to say, to, it c- kind of surmises everything we've been talking about watching Erdegaard on that goal. He's pushed like five, ten yards by Tarkovsky and doesn't go down, doesn't doesn't push back. He's literally just 
out outstrengthed. Is that a word? He's just pushed over. He's just like, you need to get out of my way. And, you know, for a professional footballer to be, and I probably Tarkovsky's a bit stronger than Edgar, but put up a fight, man. It was just, it was like yeah. he was pushing a kid out of the way. He it wasn't keeping an eye on the ball either. Yeah, not, I, I, I just, uh, also a, a very strange decision to put Martin Erdegaard, who whilst a very silky player is not exactly a behemoth in the air on Tarkovsky at the back post. Um, I, I was, dis- he wasn't, he wasn't watching the ball. He, it was, it was a very, very strange decision. And also they, they played that deep corner before and they were doing it again and again. I just don't understand how we fell for it. And I don't, I don't understand where the logic was in putting Erdegaard on Tarkovsky. And I know they've got a lot of big players. I know they've got a lot of big players, but there's a couple of danger positions. And if they're playing deep balls to the back post, make sure you have somebody physically strong at the back post to knock the ball away. And I, f- I feel like that was just a mistake from us. Like setup wise. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have a look at the game now because... Who was on who? I mean, it's it, those set pieces were kind of threatening for a while, and it's one of those, it's one of those things where I am slightly concerned about that moving forward because I've never felt as though our set pieces have been a problem. Mm-hmm. I've always felt we've been um, pretty pretty decent on them, and, and Nikola Jovic's done a great job. But yesterday we were consistently what felt like being threatened at corners. I'm just having a look at. Having a look at who's on who. Uh, Saliba's got Calvert-Lewin. Zinchenko's got Connor Cody. Um, Gabriel's sort of got Decore and Anana. Oh no, Jorginho's got Anana. How strange. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think I, I actually don't know. but I, Who's Ben White on? Just having a look now. I, I mean, I actually don't know how we I think we vary who's on who in terms of oh no White's White's got Calvert-Lewin Gabrielle's got I can't tell who that I think it's Cody Saliba's on Decore yeah I think we're man marking so it's just straight up man for man difficult to tell because they move through different zones and then different players pick them up but Xhaka's on Calvert-Lewin at one point as well so but I mean ultimately regardless irrespective Tarkovsky and Erdegaard are on each other the whole time and and Erdegaard it's just muscled off the ball it's it's there's nothing else to it just shove him over (laughs) like like that is it and I think that that's my that's my my main concern that I've never seen I've never seen us be so vulnerable from set pieces I felt like everyone was going in and I think I read a stat the other day like two percent of corners are scored so like you know if to, to feel so vulnerable from each one was, was was a concern for me yeah agreed um the penalty incident it's a penalty it stays like there's no i don't i want I, that needs to be explained as to what fucking went through the var's mind as to not give it and listen we didn't lose because you know because we did, well, well, we literally did lose because we didn't get that penalty. That penalty would have got us out of jail. We we lost because we played like shit. 
But in the moments when you play like shit, you still need to be refed fairly so you have those moments that get you out of jail. I don't understand it. It's it's pathetic that it wasn't given. Mopai's clipped him. He's gone into the back of him. There's no attempt to play the ball. It's not, it's not a coming together. It's not both people moving towards each other. More like Gabriel doesn't know he's there. Morpai's gone into the back of him. I, it's, it's, it's a baffling, baffling decision from, from, from a referee who allowed Goodison Park to referee the occasion, which has happened so many times with this absolute spineless nerd. Like, I don't understand that. I've, like, they need to up the amount that they pay referees so we can actually get some high and good quality ones in because it ruins the it ruins the game. I'm so bored of having to talk about it and I'm so bored of other teams talking about it. I'm so bored of it being part of the conversation. Like it's so easy. Like you literally have video replays and somebody sat in a booth whose job it is to go, "Okay, you've missed this. It actually is a penalty and we're still getting it wrong." That is user error. If you give me a piece of equipment and I can't use it properly, it's not the equipment's fault. I don't understand it. I really don't. It's it's so stupid. Yeah. There was a great thing go around of a um, a referee in the Bundesliga answering a manager's question live on TV, which I, I think would be great. You know, just com- you know, the thing is, I, I think people could. I, we've said this a million times, but I think people can be can understand if they're explained here's why I made the decision but the problem is they don't it's almost like they don't feel the need to explain themselves why not have the VAR able to come over on on BT Sport and say we're just going to mm-hmm. go to the VAR in the next phase of play while there's you know just people are knocking around at the back right VAR is coming in to explain so this was according to rule 673 whatever because the player da, 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 da. even if you disagree at least there's a that's why they did it you understand why they did it and I'm watching yep. this there are two there's two things that I don't think help. One is that they regain control of the ball very briefly with I think it's I think it's gay, but it's quite far away. It is gay, yep. Gay gets the ball back and that he's the one who has the last touch before Gabriel goes in. And also <clears throat> it doesn't help that Gabriel is falls into Anana. So I think what the referee sees is a kind of coming together between Mope, Gabriel and Anana. That's what I think the referee sees. But when you watch it back, you see that before that, Mope pushes Gabriel into him. And and he so I understand the referee well. not giving it straight away. I understand the referee not giving it straight away because I, I, I do get that. But yeah, I... I Again, it's we we're not gonna we're not gonna answer it. We just need clarity. We just need clarity. And this one that I don't even think is about consistency because it's not it's not necessarily uh, well it is a it is a consistency issue, but only consistency of quality. I just want clarity. Why wasn't it given? Explain. Even if I disagree, I'd be okay with it. I'd be like, okay, fine. That's why you did it. But it's almost like they think they don't need to. I think because the the reason that they don't explain decisions like this is it's not explainable. Like it, you can't explain it. You can't explain why the penalty wasn't given there. It's a clear foul in the box. I will accept referee referees on the pitch making mistakes. I won't accept them being spineless and allowing crowds to referee games. But I'll accept if they don't see something because sometimes angles the game is played at such a fast pace that you won't be able to position yourself perfectly to make the correct decision. 
That is an argument that I would have accepted a few years ago when VAR did not exist. But we literally have cameras and we are employing bald people to sit in a room <laughs> with their specs on and watch screens and say whether that they've made the right decision or not. That is what I find completely indefensible by the FA. Referees will always make mistakes on the pitch. The game is played at such a fast pace. It is impossible to always make the correct decisions in the moment. That's fine. What I will not accept is when we have given and funded the perfect tools and the perfect technology to make the correct decisions, but we've just put fucking monkeys with symbols smashing them together in the control booth. Like, you can't watch that back and say it's not a penalty. The more, like, you watch it and you see it's a penalty. Fine. Go back. Tell the referee to have a look. It makes no sense. It's, it, and that's why they don't defend it. It's why they don't come out. And that's why they find clubs and, and they create this air of un, un, untouchability is because they know that if they had to come out and answer, why didn't you give this decision? They'd be like, don't know. Oh, because because he falls into Onana afterwards. Well, he's fucking pushed over. If I push David Koo over on his fucking way home, he's going to hit the floor, isn't he? Or he's going to fall into something or someone. Like, it's going to happen. Like, I don't understand the logic. I, it really fucks me off. Like, fair enough if we didn't have VAR, but we literally have cameras that everyone can see. I'm not a referee. I can see it's a foul. I've never played any more than five aside. Still a foul. Okay. Okay. We pay so much money, so much money to watch this shit. Just get it right. It's so easy. We'll see you. After this. Oh, jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your <sighs> views, but mostly ours. He's still raging. Thank you to those of you who support us on Patreon. On patreon.com forward slash diffnot, get access to ad free versions of the main podcast, weekly Patreon exclusive bonus podcasts, and the Patreon only instant reaction for just £3 a month. Uh, that's less than the price of a coffee a month. You know? Yeah. And if you're a fan of the YouTube, there's a specific tier for that too. Speaking of coffee for one time support, head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash div knock where you can buy me a coffee. The links which probably won't do my caffeine or anger levels any good, but if you could, that'd be great. Or in the show description. <laughs> Since we last recorded, we had transfer deadline day. Yeah. And uh, we signed Jorginho. Um, I've done a whole video on what I think of Jorginho, if you want to go check that out. But thoughts, Brad, briefly? Um, It's fine. It's no more than fine. Like, will he be able to do the things El Nenny does? Yes, he'll be better technically. I don't think he's as gifted physically. I think El Nenny can at least put a bit more of a shift in moving up, down and around the pitch. Um. I've got an email from Cluid that you can respond to if you want. 
Okay. okay I've seen some on. absolute garbage about this signing. He's perfect for 10,000 passes. He delivered half of them. Look at City in the second half. They kept us at arm's length for long periods. Exactly what Georgie Boy can do. There is no party replacement because his current level is so high. The Caicedo price is ludicrous, so we do the sensible thing. Our clown Twitterati. Honestly, 12-year-olds. Oval team on bed now. Absolutely fair enough. I, like I, I love you. Claude. We went to a we went to a level with Caicedo that would have been a massive overpay anyway. Seventy five million pounds is crazy amount of money um, for what's apparently not even our top target in the summer. Um, I he's fine. It's acceptable. It's not exciting. I think the reason that. If for, if, for example, the Caicedo news never exists and we never make a bid and we just sign Jorginho, I think there's a difference in fan opinion because I think that it's gone from, you know, we've gone from this young Ecuadorian possible superstar to come in and really make a difference in the title charge to another 30-year-old from Chelsea. But it's fine. It's don't, I, I, I think that there's a lot of people on both sides of the argument underplaying it and a lot of people overplaying it. Like, he will be fine against some teams to come in and see out the last 20 minutes, and he will be fine in the Europa League. We'll still be fucked if Party can't play, because we don't have that analogue that we need to play our style of football. I think we'll be less fucked because we can change slightly to to, to pass the ball more, maybe, or, or do something slightly different with Jorginho at the base, or maybe go to a double double pivot. Um, but I don't, it's a, it's a fine move that doesn't fuck us financially and will hopefully just allow us to tick on till the end of the season. The wages won't be too high. It's all right. Do you know what I mean? And it, it, if we cut ties in the summer, we cut ties in the summer. If we keep him for another year, we keep him for another year. We've obviously just extended El Nenny's contract by 12 months because of the ACL injury. I'm... When we'll come to that, I I quite like it. I like I like it as a move. I, I do. I I think he is reliable. I think he's dependable. I think he's does enough of what Partey does and offers something slightly different to Partey as an alternative, which I quite like. Because I don't think you always want to just have someone who who is the same but less good. Because it kind of you, you you don't have sort of outstanding qualities, and I think Jorginho, in terms of his reliability and his availability, the way he receives the ball, his line breakers, his balls over the top, his um, his turning circle is really really good. So he offers a slightly different, uh, almost an yeah, an alternative to Partey. I I think I think the as I said in my YouTube video, there's a kind of a perception issue here, I think, which is basically that we were ch- chasing superstars all, all window and ended up with Jorginho. If Jorginho was, uh, from the beginning of the window, it was like Arteta is targeting Jorginho because he thinks he, you know, Ornstein tweets out, Arteta's targeting Jorginho, he thinks he's the guy to to be the uh, to be the, the second fiddle to Partey and, you know, and to come in whenever. And we eventually got it done on deadline day. I think people would be going... Okay, cool. You know, if that's if that's who Arteta thinks it should be, in the same way that when we signed Ramsdale, it was like, okay, fine. But then he turns out to be the right guy. So, um, yeah, I, I, I understand reservations about it. But I also think in terms of 
you know, this guy was in the Ballon d'Or conversations a couple of years ago, I think undeservedly, but that does show you what the level of football that footballer that we're dealing with. And I like it. And, and you know, I, I don't think he had his best game yesterday, but I think especially in the Europa League, we might be looking at games and going, fucking hell, Jorginho is a top player. He's not quite right. Uh, but for what we need in terms of El Nani's ACL, um, yeah. On that, next season, that extension. Next season, next season with Jorginho as well, he'll be third choice at six. He'll be third choice at eight. And he's a good third choice. You know, if we bring Declan Rice in, which is apparently the move for the summer, uh, Declan Rice will start at six over Jorginho. He'd start at eight over Jorginho. We'll probably still have Xhaka. We'll still have Smith-Rowe. We'll still have Partey. We'll still have Erdegaard. We'll still have Vieira. He will just be a good guy to have around the dressing room, which is important. There's a reason players like Cancelo get shipped out as quickly as possible, who has a good enough technical level and understanding of the game to come in for the last 15, the last 10 to play Europa League minutes and do fine for one more year after this season. It's fine. Yeah. And he and he can certainly control control those types of games that we need him to control. So uh yeah, we know it's not the future of the position, but I think it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a smart move. Um on that El Neni contract extension, mm-hmm. I really like it. I really like it. You look I understand, I've seen a few people, there's a, a guy, um, I won't name, but who's v- vociferously against it. I like it. Look, Elmeni's been a great servant to the club. Edit it out, but who is it? Edit it out, but who is it? I'll, t- I'll, I'll text you to you. Um, the, the, yeah, I, I, I like it. It doesn't make much like football sense. And I'd rather we just keep him at the club and he can use the facilities and not on a contract necessarily. It's probably probably be my my thing. Um but also like I I I can't I can't say I like Arsenal values, I like what we do, I like that we're I think the first club, certainly in the Premier League, maybe in the world, to sign up to this UEFA like green club thing where we're trying to become more sustainable or whatever. Like we are that type of club. Look at the wraps around the around the stadium. Part of the reason I love Arsenal is it was a safe haven for a lot of like black and you know minority fans in uh, the sort of 70s and 80s. And they all talk about how they, that was a kind of safe place for, for those fans in that time. All of these things, doing the right things, is partly why I love Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make much football sense, but I, I, I have to say this he feels like a... He won't play next season. Like, he, pro- he won't be registered. This is exactly what we did with Santi Cazorla. He's done his ACL. He's going to be out for 12 months, right? He'll be coming back in February, March, maybe next year at the earliest, maybe January. We're not going to register him. And it would be absolutely horrendous for a guy who's given a lot for the club. I know he's been paid for his services, but has been at the club. I think he's probably the longest serving member. Is it him or Holding? I think he is now, yeah. Um, The longest serving member at the club has hundreds of appearances has yes not exactly been the groundbreaking player that we would have wanted but you have a duty of care to people 
And he, he, in training to be better for Arsenal and to perform for Arsenal, has suffered a very serious injury that's going to keep him out for 12 months. If we turfed him out in three months' time, to no club, to no wages, to no anything, no one's going to sign him with an ACL injury until they know that he's back to full fitness. What kind of people does that make us? What kind of, what kind of humans does that make us? It would have been despicable it would have been, it would have been exactly one of the things that i would not want arsenal to turn into it's a chelsea um, move. it's soulless <laughs> yeah it's yeah. a chelsea move it's soulless the, he will probably never play for arsenal again after this he'll train and he may appear in a cup competition next season that he doesn't have to be registered for if we're still in them but with the with the news that we're sign, that we we're looking at signing midfielders in the summer there's not going to be a squad place for him it's not a question of keeping him around to play. It's a question of the man suffered a severe in- injury whilst training to play for us and be better for us and achieve what we want to achieve. We then don't get the opportunity or the right to just cut ties because he's suffered whilst trying to be good for us. It's, yeah, if, if that's what you think, stop supporting this club because that, that's, not, that's not the values that have been instilled for decades when Arsene Wenger left he said take care of the values and and the the culture of the club getting rid of El Nenny is against everything we've ever stood for I agree I agree and it's and it's you know it's about you know we know from many different accounts the positive impact he has on the dressing room and how how well regarded he is and we you also it's like in any job you you know there are certain people who are cultural tone setters in you know brad and i are are, are actors and have certainly worked as actors so brad's got a very exciting job coming up um thank you but there's there's a kind of um you know that there are cultural tone setters in every single room and every cast that we've been in and in every workplace i'm sure that people listening have been in there are people that you know they may be the most valuable person in the the job or the ceo is the cultural tone setter or they might be the person who you know fucking cleans the toilets who who is who makes the coffee who is who is the cultural tone setter and you you can't always tell that and i think from from the you know having someone like that who is you know professional who will be there on time who will you know who will give everything that he has for this for this club is is a very important thing and while we're still growing these young players and growing the culture um i'm sure that's a that's a a consideration bradley we have just about i'm just gonna just, squeeze it in just gonna get it in there got time for a little bit of arsenal trivia last time i asked you the theme was number 15s for arsenal and i asked you to name the last three number 15s for arsenal before jakub kivior so to help you out we had three one was yep. from the season 1819 to 2122 one was from the season 1112 to 1718 and one was from the season 0607 to the season 1011 so i know one was maitland niles i know one was denielson i yep can't think of the other one was it i know Fa- didn't fabregas wear the number 15 at one point but i don't know if he was the fourth before he took number four. That's the, that's the thing that's getting me. I don't know if it goes 
Fabregas, Danielson, someone else, and then Maitland Niles, or if it's those three. Um, I can't I have a believe feeling... you don't know who wore 15 from 11, 12 to 17, 18. As a, as a squad number aficionado, this is hurting me. This is, is painful. You just, you just don't give a fuck about them, do you? You just don't Wait, care. So what season Which was is, it? What season I sort of was respect. it? So it's 11, 12. It to... was to 17, 18. Think who went in the 17, 18 season. I've, I've fucking blocked that from my memory, mate. Um, oh, who was it? Do you want to know? Listeners are screaming at you right now. It wasn't... No, no, it wasn't Monreal. Monreal was 18. No, I don't know. 10. 9. I don't know. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Oh, no. Of course it was. Fucking idiot. (sighs) I think I I got so obsessed with the idea that that it could possibly be Fabregas, Nielsen, Maitland, Niles, that I just couldn't think of any player that existed between those years. Did, did Fabregas wear the 15? Yeah, he wore, he wore 15 before he wore number four. I think, I'm pretty sure. Did he? I thought he wore like, I thought he wore like, uh, let me look that up. This is like my, this is what I do at like 2am. I look up squad numbers on Transfermarkt. <laughs> wait, wait, should we do a bit, should we do some bonus Arsenal trivia today? Yeah. And we'll do some squad number history. You have to name the last three. Oh, this is great. We've got time to do this. We have to name the last three of one to 11. What? One to 11. So the last three. So Aaron Ramsdale's one. And then the the previous two number ones before that. And then number two, Um, previous two ones before that. Oh, fucking hell. That's... I mean Leno, and then let probably... me do. Can I try and do it? Can I try and do it without without the? I'm not looking. I promise. Okay. Yeah. So number one, Ramsdale, Leno, Leno. check. Number did two, check take, yeah, check did take the number one in the last season, I think. Um, number two was Bayerin, Debushi, and Diaby. Number three was um, number three Tierney, is Tierney, Gibbs, and Sanya. I think. I need to check these. Number no, four. Was Sanya number three? That's so weird. Sanya was three, yeah. Number four is... Uh, who's number four now? Oh, yeah, White. Four. Someone and Murtasaka. Who was four in between? Things it's White, someone, Murtasaka. Oh, Mo. Mo, of course it was. And then Saliba was one as well at some point, wasn't he? Then he Saliba, got well, he never wore it, did he? Really? Yeah. Uh, five is uh, Partey. Um, five. Vermaelen. Oh. The only, only hardcore different not listeners are listening right now. <laughs> Just yeah. listening to Vermaelen us like, and... Yes. <laughs> five. Who wore five before um, Partey? Someone must have left. Oh, El- was it Elneny? No. No, it wasn't no. Elneny. No, because he came in and won about I don't 18. Know that one. Don't know that one. Six is Gabriel Koscielny. Oh, who was six before Koscielny? I've no clue. That's fucking. Koscielny had it for a long time. Um, yeah, seven Saka, uh, Mikatarian, and Alexis Rizitsky. Alexis. Oh, and, oh Alexis. Yeah. That was it. Eight Erdegaard. Sabios. Sabios and Ramsey. 
Mm-hmm. Number nine. Um, Jesus. Jesus Lacazette. Perez. Pe- Lucas Perez. Um, yeah. Fun story. He he paid his own transfer fee to go back to Deportivo in the third tier in Spain um, to help them achieve promotion back to the second tier. And it's, it's gone from Aww. playing in... in in, for Cadiz in in top flight Liga to the third tier of Spanish football because he loves Deportivo so much. Deportivo. Yeah. Oh, that's a nice story. Uh, ten. Ten. Smithrow, Ozil. Wilshire. Wilshire. Yep. And finally, eleven. Martinelli, Torreira. Ozil. Ozil. Let's check those. So, one, Ramsdale, Leno, Czech, yep. Two, Bayern, Debussy, Diaby, yep. Tierney, oh, I'm not having that. Jorde, Osse, Tutu, absolutely not. Tierney, Gibbs, and Sanya, that's what he was. Um, White, Saliba, Elneny, and then Mertesacker, yep, for four. Number five, we missed Socrates. It was Socrates. Socrates, it was Socrates. And then it wasn't, it wasn't Vermaelen, it was Paulista. Gabriel Paulista. Paulista. Oh my God. We fucked five. Gabriel Koscielny. And then it was Senderos before that. Philippe Senderos. What a fucking throwback. Saka, Mkhitaryan, Sanchez for seven. Yep. Erdegaard, Ceballos, Ramsey for eight. Yep. Jesus, Lacazette, Perez for nine. Smithrow, Ozil, Wilshire for ten. And Martinelli. Oh, Erdegaard had the eleven. Yes, he did on loan. Of course he did. Oh, God, had the 11 and then it was Torreira. Well, we did pretty well there, actually. That's not bad. That was decent. That's not bad. That was pretty good. Um, the question for this week, <laughs> this is the, long, the longest Arsenal trivia ever, is you have to name five Brazilians to play for Arsenal. Name me five Brazilians who have played for Arsenal. And to make it harder, I'm going to say... You only get one current player. You one only get player. one current player. Perfect. Yeah, you only get one current player. And a theme for next week, please. Scrapley, Bradley, Cradams, Aladams. Trips to Goodison, because we've not been having a good time there. Let's see. Let's see if you remember any of the last depressing ones. Okay. Well, Alrighty. I had a great time. Genuinely, yeah, I could do a, a whole podcast just like doing squad, squad numbers. numbers. <laughs> Who were the last three well, number 13s? The... Ospina. Ospina. Vito Minone's on there. No, Is he was Fabianski. Fabianski and Hleb, I think. Oh, let me look that up. Because I know Kleb was oh, 13. No, it, was, it was Emiliano Viviano. It was Viviano. <laughs> it, who it was. It was Runa, Alex, Runa, 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 Alex, Runa, Runa, oh, Runa, no, Runa. He, Runa, does, Runa, he doesn't exist. Yeah. David Espina from 14, 15 to 18, 19. Viviano, then Chesney. Chesney. God, yep. Chesney. Yep. Mate, we, I could genuinely... I, I, we could do a whole pod on this. <laughs> people, so much there's fun. probably there's like three people listening to this. The, we know what the next we know we know what the next bonus pod is going to be on. It's just going to be a squad. Just numbers me quiz. and Brad naming numbers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
look, we'll be back with a bonus we podcast. Will. I'm going to do a rewatch with Rohan, I think, this uh, this Ooh. week. And we're trying to sort that out at the moment. Or certainly some kind of bonus podcast. If not, it'll be with Brad, <laughs> me and Brad naming squad numbers. We'll be back with an instant reaction post Arsenal versus Brentford next Saturday for the patrons. And then we'll be back with our main podcast next Sunday. Uh, it's beautiful to see. Everybody, this podcast will always be free, my friends. Everybody, thanks so much for listening. Keep it different, Knock. And we will see you later. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock and Arsenal podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the Different Knock, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. We're on all social media at Diffknock. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.